Hello, and welcome to NeuroCurious, a podcast about all things brain, body, mind, and culture, not necessarily in that order. I'm Deborah Budding, and today we are very fortunate to have with us the amazing Samantha Blackman, um, who many of you probably know from her podcast, Not Your Mama's Gamer. Uh, Sam is an associate professor of rhetoric and composition at Purdue uh, in Indiana, where they are not doing, where they are doing time where you are. We had to talk about <laughs> yep. that. Because in, in Indiana, as we've been talking about, there are multiple time zones mm-hmm. and not everybody does uh, daylight savings time. Uh, so we're going to talk about kids and video games slash screen time. Um, so definitely about video games, but also just about other tech things uh, that aren't necessarily games, but are uh, things that kids like to do. Uh, and also we'll be talking about video games and what we've been playing because um, in honor of your podcast, we have to have that piece going too. So welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's delightful. And also it's nice to be back podcasting again. Um, after, <laughs> so weird, in November 2016, suddenly I just lost all motivation to do much of anything, including the podcast. So <laughs> finally. <laughs> That's understandable. Finally. That's understandable. Yep, yep. So, well, and um, we I was doing it with, with my two colleagues, but our schedules got really difficult to coordinate, and so they're going to pop on here and there when they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just proved to be more manageable to just roll. And so we're starting to do Skype instead of just in person. So um, hopefully the recording will actually work. I guess we won't know till later. <laughs> well, see, that always helps too. If you can record yeah. virtually, because I can't imagine trying to get, you know, multiple people together in one space to podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I mean, it was fun. And I would, whenever I would go to conferences, I would just drag the recording equipment with me and get people together. And, and actually I just did that when I was in DC recently, mm-hmm. Um, for the International Neuropsychological Society uh, conference, I brought the recording stuff in and sat down with a couple of people and recorded episodes. Um, so, what you been playing? Ooh, uh, tons of stuff. Um, I've been playing a lot of indie games lately. Ooh, like? Um, I've been playing a... I played a little... It was a really cute little game um, by a Russian developer... Uh, it's called One Eyed. I'm gonna slaughter this because it's K. It's K U T K H, and I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. But I've been saying Kuthk because um, uh-huh. it just sounds like that's the way it should it be. It sounds pronounced. like that's how it should be pronounced, right? Um, so it's super cute. Uh, it's based on Russian fairy tales, of all things, um, and it's like a point and click kind of adventure game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super short. Um, it's beautiful, uh, and it's got great music. So, um, is it on itch.io or where is it? Uh, it is on Xbox, PlayStation 4, Steam, and Switch, I do believe. Ooh. Yes, mm. Switch, definitely. Okay. I'm like, Switch, I do believe, yes, because I played it on Switch. Uh, but okay. I had an Xbox One copy that I gave away. Um, so, okay. yeah. All right. It's on all the major uh, platforms. Um, and that one's super cute. And I've been also playing 
um, a platformer called Mulaka, mm. um, which is a, um, a it's a two D platformer, um, and it is all about. Uh, it's based on the shamans of the Chihuahua region of Mexico, so Ooh. it is based on um, the the real people of that region as well as the mythology that surrounds that region. Oh, that sounds. It is too amazing. bad about the platforming, though, because <laughs> we know yeah, yeah, we well, know that's not something I'm good at. It's not horrible. It's not horrible. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's not roguelike. No, kind no, of no. Platforming no. demands. No. All right. It's much. It's much more forgiving. Um, okay. And it's beautiful, and it's got an amazing soundtrack. Um, and I've been listening to the soundtrack even when I'm not playing the game because the soundtrack's on SoundCloud. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, Sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I've been playing that. I've been playing um, I've been playing some more mainstream kind of stuff. I'm always playing Minecraft these days because I got a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> familiar with that? Well, not, you know, not currently familiar, but yep. um, a few years ago familiar. Let's see. Um, and then I'm playing, you know, some AAA stuff like PUBG. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... Have you tried Fortnite? Yes. I used to, I played a lot of Fortnite when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stopped playing the Battle Royale uh, mode of it when PUBG came out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just liked the kind of more realistic aspect of PUBG for the Battle Royale. And I'm mm-hmm. not super crazy about the building and the end game of Fortnite Battle Royale. Yeah. Nah, no. Well, I, I can't play those games anyway because I suck at them. But but my younger son has has played both. And lately he's been playing the Fortnite part. Yeah. It's Apparently pretty. The building's okay for it's him. It's super yeah. pretty. Yeah. Um, and I can, see, I can see why people are more drawn to it. Uh, but yeah, PUBG's kind of where, where I landed for the Battle Royale games. Um, I'm always playing a ton of stuff because between playing, you know, playing with my daughter and playing for research and streaming, um, and then occasionally playing something for fun, I'm like always all over the map with what I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I, so little time to hop on and watch people streaming, but it's one thing I wish I had more time to do. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's fun. I uh, I usually have it just like even on in the background when I'm doing things. Yeah. Um, because there's some 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 fun folks who are streaming some things. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, research wise, um, anything you're working on? You want to chat about? Research or is it top secret? No, it's not. Um, I'm doing a couple of different things research wise. Uh, research wise, I'm I'm always I'm always looking at. Um, on even some small scale uh, race and games. Mm-hmm. Um, so an article here, an article there. Um, right now, my big, my bigger research projects um, are um, looking at streamers <laughs> and community building. Um, Interesting. And what, you know, and what that adds to the games community. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot, uh, there's a lot at play there with representation there's a lot at play there with things like harassment uh, and platform policy. Um, so it's yep. a really interesting, it's a really interesting project that I'm working on there. Um, and one of the other things that I've been doing uh, lately is a, a, a smaller, I'm working on a smaller series 
of pieces that will be online um, and just so that they're freely accessible. Excellent. Uh, but uh, it's more pedagogical and curricular um, in that it looks at how we can use games for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so building kind of these mini units around yep. games. So if you're going to study X, right? For example, if you're going to study fairy tales, because there's there's a there's a state there's a state core requirement, a state core standard in Indiana, where you have to do um, fairy tales from uh, other countries, right? So a game like One Eye Cooth would come in really handy for that because, you know, there's a game that's based on Russian fairy tales. So, you know, in looking at how you would build that into a curriculum, you could look at, you know, reading Russian fairy tales, talking about what specific elements of fairy tales means, and then looking at how that gets remediated in a game like One Eye Cooth, right? Right. And that kind of hits a bunch of different things when you start talking about core standards. Um, it hits one the, the fairy tale requirement that falls under language arts, but it also hits those computer requirements that are also a part of this of the state standards, right? So all those things are really interesting to me because one, in my previous life, I was an elementary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in my previous life, as in a long time, oh gosh, it's been a long time, as in uh, <laughs> 20 odd years ago. Um, but then also because I homeschool. Right. Um, so looking at ways to, um, build things that children are really interested in into a curriculum that also teaches them the things, um, that, you know, we must teach them according to state standards. Right. So, right. Um, I'm build. I'm working on a series of pieces that, that do that as well. Oh, that is so good. That is really, really good. You know, I was thinking about core standards. I don't pay too much attention to them, honestly. They just tend to make me angry in California. But um, They make you angry everywhere. Don't feel bad. Well, yeah, <laughs> they do. So much makes me angry, though, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm generally a cheerful person, but, you know, how could you not be angry these days? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't recall any requirement for... Uh, learning about or understanding anything about fairy tales doesn't mean it doesn't exist in our state Mm -hmm. here in sunny california um it would be cool if it did uh but i don't i don't remember my kids doing any of that you know other than just for like self-interest here at home so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to look into that um I'm not going to really talk about much for me playing games because I haven't been playing much. I My fallback is usually MMOs. So I've been doing some recent stuff in World of Warcraft. I've been doing some recent... There's a new sort of story portion that's been dropped for Guild Wars 2. And I happen to like Guild Wars 2. It's a very pretty environment, mm-hmm. and I like running around in pretty environments. Um, and mostly... Just, just doing that and then watching other people in my house play games. So uh, we just went through a period of intense um, uh, Yakuza playing. So we did a whole playthrough of Yakuza 0 and then the remake of Kiwami. Very, very popular in this house among mm-hmm. multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, so now everybody's waiting for the new one to come out. Uh, and then Monster Hunter has been kind of the... The, the big thing and so I'm the annoying person on the couch pointing at all the monsters saying is that the one that has fluffy armor that you can you make fluffy armor from that one <laughs> yeah. 
Unfortunately, most of the monsters do not make fluffy armor, which I find very disappointing. No, there's just the the um, the one fluffy bat monster yeah. who has the yeah. He makes the fluffy. I I, I played a whole lot of Monster Hunter. Um, yeah, <laughs> I made a character and then I just handed it over. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone in my house is like, I don't want your cursing anyway. Like, just you can watch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then my younger son has been um, playing a lot of Fortnite lately with his friends. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, they, he seems to enjoy it. Those kinds of, of games for me are just, I have no appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because they're first person and those make me sick to my stomach. Uh, so I don't like them. Um, so speaking of kids playing games, why don't we kind of transition into that and start talking a little bit about it? Because it's something that you know, I know that you care about both professionally and personally, mm-hmm. as, as do I. Um, so, you know, maybe we should start with kind of like right now. So, so in your house, you've got Minecraft mm-hmm. going on, which is perfect for a kid P's age. Yep. Yeah, she's nine. Um, we play a lot of we play a lot of Minecraft, um, and one of the things that has come out of my streaming. Um, like I said, I've, I've been, I've been streaming more, um, both as kind of community building slash outreach slash I want to do it. Um, right. and because I think representation is incredibly important, um, when mm-hmm. we start talking about streaming platforms. Um, and I think it's, it's super important to have a more diverse body of streamers on all platforms. Yes. Um, so I've been I've been doing a regular streaming schedule um, now for about eight months. Um, this is on Twitch on Mixer. I Mixer, to, okay. Yeah, I used to stream on Twitch. Uh-huh. Um, and I know I'm going to catch flack for this, but I, I find Twitch uh, as a platform. It was too toxic for me. Yep. Well, I was going to say if you are on Twitch. <laughs> How is that going? Um, but I've, I've been hearing more and more about people moving over to Mixer. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Mixer. Um, and I, I have been doing a regular schedule for about eight months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are trolls everywhere. There's indeed toxicity everywhere. Um, but not to the level that I've experienced uh, or that I experienced on Twitch. Um, and I think there's a lot more built into the platform itself to kind of fight that kind of toxicity. Didn't was were they the ones who recently like put out some guidelines for people? Was it Mixer that did that, or was it a different one? That was Twitch that put out the guidelines that because of the uh, because of this blowback about um, female streamers. Oh, right, 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 um, right. So they put right. out these guidelines. It was about the blowback about female streamers and the fact that, like, one of the largest streamers, period. Um, I'm not even going to mention his name because I don't want people to go looking at him. Um, uh, was doing some really racist stuff um, on his channel, and Twitch did nothing about it. But, of course, like I said, he's, like, one of the largest streamers, period. Uh, everybody right. knows him. Um so they just let him get away with it oh, because yeah, he yeah. is such a, a right big person. Yep. Ugh. So um, 
they put out these guidelines that basically said, here's all the things you shouldn't do on Twitch, but kind of implicit in those guidelines was, well, here's how you get away with those things. Well, if you have a big enough audience. Right. So it's a lot like Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think a lot of people were disappointed. Um, and I think that that might have been part of what precipitated a, a pretty, um, large move of some fairly large Twitch streamers over to Mixer. Cause I've been seeing mm-hmm. a lot, like you said, I've been seeing a lot of folks who are starting to migrate over to yeah. Mixer. Um, because the, the environment is different. Um, and it, it seems that because a lot of the regulation is built into the platform itself, mm-hmm. um, it's more difficult to get, some of that now that now a lot of it, like you say, at the same time, a lot of it is meant to take place only in chat that that whole regulation is taking place in chat and not the, not content and not the content. Right. But there is an easily accessible here. Click on this screen and there's a report button Great. Um, for Good. the for content creators as well. You know, so if content creators are saying something out of the way, it's quite easy to report it. Good. Um, Good. So. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I've been, I've been satisfied, very satisfied, just like I said, not only in terms of the platform, but also in terms of the community. The community at Mixer has been amazing, um, where, where people kind of readily come together to help one another, right? So if there's That's a new nice. streamer who's like, I want to be able to do these things on my stream, and I'm not quite sure how, the community comes together and says, well, you know, here's, here's the things that you need. Um, they're constantly, there's like a consistent flow of community uh, content creators who are even doing tutorials on how to do the things that they do on their streams. Um, great to, to make it how friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good community. It's a pretty good community. And I've I been hope happy. It stays that there. way. I mean, I hope that uh, I always were, you know, from an infrastructure perspective, uh, at what point things become unmanageable from a, a maintaining a community tone mm-hmm. point of view, mm-hmm. right? At what point does just the sheer volume of people start to overwhelm the capacities of people to moderate? Um, but if I think if you start out with clear rules and kind of a no tolerance policy, mm-hmm. uh, I think it makes it easier to make those jumps in, in numbers. So I think it's, I think I'm hoping that it's going to be more manageable for them because now they're owned by Microsoft. Yeah. Um, and I hope that, um, cause you know, Microsoft has had his issues Oh yeah. <laughs> in terms you, of, in terms think? of trolls and toxicity, but I'm hoping yep. that as they start to, uh, refine and solidify these standards in terms of community building, um, in terms of uh, policies, that a lot of that starts to bleed over um, into what we get with Microsoft uh, and Xbox Live and such, too. Yeah. So. Oh, you know what? There was Waypoint had an episode specifically addressing this stuff not that long ago, mm-hmm. and I think they, I think it was there, they were talking about the kind of wimpy guidelines that that. Twitch put out and yeah. then the Microsoft more specific guidelines, literally like this is where your shirt goes to 
to be acceptable. This is what, you know, what, what you can wear supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also about what kinds of things you can, you can say and do, yeah. um, which on the one hand you could say, uh, you know, too bad that that has to be regulated so much, but it has to be regulated it quite obviously. I mean, I've never seen the invisible hand operate in any way personally. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it exists, but but I I've never seen it. You've so. never seen it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like I said it's pretty interesting. Um it's pretty interesting. I could like I could like go on about Mixer forever because one that's where my research lies right now. Uh and two mm-hmm. that's where a lot of my time is spent even my free time. But kind of uh, one of the more recent things that they did, they just rolled out um, in everybody's channel. There's a, there's a built-in what they call chatbot, right? So, and it has three levels. Well, four if you count off, right? So you can turn it off. You can turn it on low, medium, or high um, based on how much filtering you want in chat. And so they're screening chat kind of as for, a part for of the co- for like keywords using algorithms. Yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, and then they will del- uh, like automatically delete um, kind of toxic, to, uh, toxic posts, phrases, etc. Um, Is there a learning style coded into it where? So it, I've it's... asked this, right? Because I was like, so they haven't told right. this, right? Uh, right. <laughs> I'm interested and I'm, I'm, I want to reach out and find out exactly uh, what that back end looks like. Um, because I'm, I'm interested in terms of what it's, what it's learning in terms of algorithms. Cause we know that that, we know that that too can be problematic, right? Oh, indeed. Um, so, uh, I want to, I want to see, I want to see, but it's pretty, it's pretty interesting cause you can easily go in and like release, uh, messages that get deleted by accident um, right. So you can go back in and kind of supervise it. Yep. Yep. Um, so are, what are your thoughts on kids and streaming and, and whether it's even possible to make an environment child appropriate for that? Okay. So, um, I stream regularly, right? Um, and one of the things, and I know that there's, there are a couple of other people that I know who have done similar things. Um, is that once you start to stream uh, and your kids see, you know, that you're enjoying this uh, and that there's this community there, um, they want to become a part of it. Right. Um, Which could potentially be fantastic. Yes. Potentially. Uh, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Because um, that's, that's what happened in my house. Like it was like, um, you, you have this thing that you love and, I, and it's something she's always been interested in, right? Right. Um, I mean, it seems like a natural thing to do together. Right. So we do. We have one day a week where we play together. Um, and and it's it's funny because that's the day that everybody says, really, this is the P show and you're just the sidekick. Um, right. Well, of course. <laughs> she is absolutely amazing at it. Um, uh-huh. And she's a super shy kid in, in person. Um, but she literally comes alive on stream. You would never know. Um, and she's an amazing streamer. She's nine. She can't stream right. by herself, of course. Right. Uh, because according to terms of service, like on Mixer, for example, you have to be 13 before you can even have your own Mixer account. That's good to know. Um, 
Tis unfortunately. So when we and we'll talk about parental controls later, I'm yeah. sure. Uh huh. Um, but it is unfortunately not the case that a good number of the people on Mixer are actually 13 or older. Right. Um. So the stream that I do with P is family friendly. Um, so, so that's a setting you can choose. That is a setting you can choose. Absolutely. You can choose uh, family friendly teen or, um, 18 plus are the three settings you can choose. Um, and so that one is always set at family friendly. Um, and because of what I've seen in terms of who streams where, I mean, who shows up where I don't curse on my streams ever yeah. not even the not even the ones i have set at 18 plus um wow that is some impressive impulse <laughs> control on your part um wow <laughs> because i have a lot of folks that i know show up in on my wednesday afternoon stream with p right um who show up on my wednesday afternoon stream with p who also show up on some of my evening streams and I stream late, which is a whole nother issue. And we'll probably get to that as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, uh, we get a lot of kids that, you know, will sometimes tell I'm, I'm nine and I'm like, Whoa, no one, you shouldn't be telling anybody on the interwebs how old you are. Right. Um, you know, and two, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, right. So, so it's kind of a double-edged sword when you're, when you're talking about having streams that are more specifically family-friendly. Pete, can you stop? No. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. <laughs> go behind the screen and go. Thank you. Um... <laughs> So it, it becomes a double-edged sword when you start talking about um, having streams that are family-friendly, but then having a platform that only allows children who are 13 or older. Right, um, right. Especially when we when we know that most kids who are watching, you know, watching stuff on YouTube, uh, I mean, because all the YouTubers that, you know, do Minecraft and all the YouTubers that do Roblox, I mean, these are YouTubers that are being made famous by kids under the age of 13 (laughs) yeah 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 i mean that yeah that's a whole world of problems with that too um it's and kids are so much more media savvy you know when i was a kid we did not have youtube we did not have streaming we didn't have any of those things Mm -hmm. so it was a different level of access uh, especially from a predator perspective right like that you know people who go online and pretend to be children and behave in this way um so it's it's normative for kids now to to operate greatly online that to be very very comfortable you've got you know two three-year-old kids who can use an ipad Mm -hmm. right so uh finding ways to keep up with and potentially ahead of that mm-hmm. is is really I, I think a huge challenge for 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 parents and any adult managing kids. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, and because we have like all of these platforms that are intended for children, right? Um, we have stuff like Roblox, right? Right. Um, we have Minecraft. We have, um, I mean, things that we've, you know, chatted about like off podcasts, like YouTube Kids, um, yep. you know, things like Musical.ly, right? All of these different things that are intended for children um, that just make them ripe for child predators. Yeah. Um, because there was a huge problem with the PC version of Roblox. Um, the console version has some other uh, controls built in that don't make children as accessible to predators um, but just with people sending um, kids inappropriate material people soliciting right. kids um, people trolling each other people right? trolling You've each got... other right but um, and that was a huge problem on the on the PC version of Roblox yeah um, and you know, Minecraft is an, is another space when you start talking about public servers where people go because they know small, younger children are going to be playing these games. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we, we've heard recently about like YouTube kids where people have like found a way to, cause we talked, like we were talking earlier about algorithms and, and ways to beat yep. algorithms, right? Is, yep. you know, uploading material that may seem to be, you know, benign Innocuous, or, yeah. or, or, or even, um, the kinds of material that's supposed to be on YouTube kids, like frozen videos or burning right. videos, but then inserting at some point in the video, um, violent or sexual or racist uh, material into the video itself so that children are being exposed to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's always ways to, for folks to find this kind for folks to find this kind of material. Right. Yeah. And we've become too comfortable with uh, YouTube, a, with YouTube as like a, a safe space for children. Right. Um, and that's been the assumption. Yes. A lot of times that, that it is a safe space for children. Um, and, and I've had parents tell me, you know, cause I'm a pediatric neuropsychologist or my mm-hmm. practice is partly pediatric, um, that, that they feel comfortable, you know, with their kids because they're not aware of some of the stuff that's, that's being seen. And then we have to have a little chat um, yes. about that. Yeah. And uh, and I've personally been involved in cases where um, one in particular, where there was a very young teen who um, ran off with somebody. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, pretended to be 18 mm-hmm. and ran off with somebody. It was really it was terrifying for everybody. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, but but this you know these aren't. I think sometimes people think these are urban legends, quote unquote, you know, that they're, that it doesn't really happen yes. and you're just trying to scare and shock people. And let me tell you, it is very real. Yeah. It is very real. Um, and I think, you know, this is one of the challenges with it too. So there's on the content side, which we can also talk about mm-hmm. is, you know, what, you know, what kind of games are appropriate for kids at what ages, you know, what kind of time is available to them to play or should they play? Um, you know, plus there's the whole, you know, access issue. What are they, what are they seeing? What are they able to access? What and who is able to access them? Right. I mean, um, and, and sometimes, I mean, it's difficult 
It is difficult, yeah. right? Because we have all of these things in place. Um, we have all of these things in place to kind of surveil. I mean, and that sounds horrible, but to oh no, I, I think kids need to be supervised. <laughs> frankly, my kids know they have no inherent right to privacy. Yeah, I mean, so that's clear. And it's and it's not because of them; it's because of other people, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. I have a friend, for example, who uh, her 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 child was over playing with my child the other day, um, and they came down. They came over and sat down, and because they they know I like games and they know I play games, and they were talking to me about games, and I'm like, "Is this a game you've played?" Because I knew the games that she was talking about. She was talking about like Life is Strange. She was talking about how old is this kid? Eight. Um, she was talking about Life is Strange. She was talking about, there were several games that were just way out of the ballpark for an eight-year-old. Well, yeah. Um, ooh, I just got struck by lightning. Um. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, and so, and I'm like, how do you know these things? And she's like, oh, I, I saw, I saw Let's Plays on YouTube. Mm. And so I asked her mom later, I'm like, so is she? watching this kind of content on YouTube and she's like no no she's she's like I have a list look on my phone it sends me it sends me a list of everything she's watched and I'm like no what this is sending you is a list of the channels she's watching I'm like now the problem is is that some of these some of these YouTubers that unless you go in and and look at what they're actually streaming um, yeah, they may be predominantly Minecraft YouTubers. They may be predominantly, you know, Roblox YouTubers, but they're also playing some adult content. And so they're and that not doesn't show up full listings, right? Yep. They're just getting, oh, this person's, you know, watching I Has Cupquake. I Has Cupquake w- w- plays a lot of stuff that I would never want my kid to watch. So, I mean, we have a rule in my house. Um, that if if it's a new game, if it's a new series that someone is doing and, and I haven't approved it, it has to be approved before you can start that series. Right, of course. Um, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, and I, and I understand a lot of parents are like, well, I don't, you know, it, that seems like a lot. No, no, really, it's not. It's, it's yeah, fairly easy. It I mean, and it may be easier for me because I know these games. But it's yep. just, and I do think that's true. I mean, I think because it's it you're it's a terrain you're familiar with and you you traverse. Yeah. I think that's true. There are a lot of parents who aren't particularly media or tech savvy. Mm-hmm. They don't play games themselves. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times, I think they wouldn't even know necessarily Absolutely. whether something's appropriate or not. Yeah, and that's where things get tricky, right? Because if for you to know whether something's appropriate or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have some familiarity because, it, for example, if somebody said Life is Strange is a game they're watching, unless you know that game, I mean, it's a great game, but it's very mature, you know, for an eight or nine year old. It's right. not, you know, it's, it's not developmentally appropriate for them. Right. right. You know, and she's like, yeah, it was weird because, you know, there was something about somebody killing themselves. And I'm like, whoa, these are conversations that, you know, that apparently you need to have now because you've seen right. this content. But this is not something that you need to be, you know, viewing on your own. Um, right. So, it, I mean, it's difficult, right? It is difficult when some of the strategies that we have in place just don't go far enough. Right. Um, and it, it takes a lot of scanning of content. <laughs> it does. It takes it a does. lot of scanning of content. 
I mean, even my kids are teenagers now, so I face different issues with them. I, my younger son, when the last ridiculousness with Logan Paul happened, the, the Japan thing, yeah, um, you know, I sat down with my younger son and I said, "So, like, I have we talked about Logan Paul?" And he looked at me and he went, "I am offended. If you think I would watch anything that guy does, I'm like, sorry, I just wanted to, you know, touch base about it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's and that's. That's fine, you know, and yeah. I, you know, I tell my kid all the time, I'm going to make you mad sometimes. Yeah. You, you are not going to like what I say. You're not going to like what I do, but you know what? That's my job. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's kind of interesting too, when, you know, the, the viewpoints parents have between not necessarily identifying as a gamer and the baggage that that has mm-hmm. um but but whether whether parents are familiar with video game content or not i think uh, on a societal level it's just much more common for people to play games uh, or to at least be familiar with games than it used to be mm-hmm. and it's more so every year yeah. um so it the level of i don't know discomfort or stigma or whatever that goes along with with kids and and technology i mean there was a period of time where and it, there's still some circles where this is the case where there's a really strict um, no screen time. You know, parents will say, you know, no screen time. You know, this stuff is it's terrible. It's bad. It'll rot your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, just like TV used to. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, it, so but then it it becomes this kind of forbidden fruit thing, which creates this whole other set of problems yeah. in terms of, you know, managing children and having an open, trusting and, you know, communicative relationship mm-hmm. with them. Um, and so I think it's something that a lot of parents feel very ill-prepared to navigate. I mean, I feel fortunate that I, you know, I don't, I don't play video games for a living per se, but I have a, a highly adolescent oriented practice. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I know and play video games and can talk with them about that is very helpful in terms of, of my ability to work with the kids I'm evaluating. Mm-hmm. I mean, their cooperation their comfort level, all of that stuff. Um, and it also gives me a chance to check into what actually are they, you know, what are they doing? So I can then have a little chat with the parents if need be, whether it's to, have you thought about playing with your kids? Like, do you know, have you thought yeah. about playing a game with your kid? Cause it's really fun. Yeah. You know, um, versus, ah, so this game that your eight year olds playing is not really like, have you seen it? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Do you know how violent this game is, right? Um, and that's the other thing we can talk about too is the whole, uh, you know, the 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 mess around violence in video games, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what what I mean. The research is really clear that that violence, video games do not cause people to be violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of a non-starter. Uh, but there is something to be thinking about in terms of what material kids are exposed to and whether or not that will be disturbing to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, those are very separate things. Yeah, yeah I, um, that's always a huge, you know, huge question. And it's because it's I can't tell you how many times I've seen kids in game stores or in the games aisle at Target or wherever trying to convince their parents that the best one I've ever heard that Grand Theft Auto was a racing simulator. <laughs> um, 
that's really good. <laughs> I, but oh, what's really even good. what's even worse is that I cannot tell you the number of times I've seen parents fall for it. Right. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And then I'm always the bubble buster because I I can't at that point I'm like no 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 I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm not meaning to eavesdrop I overheard what just went down let me explain something to you. Oh exactly. I mean to me that's like that's like at the, being at the park right right yeah. and and are are you the kind of parent who when you see something like totally inappropriate go down between kids who aren't yours yeah. whether you say something or not absolutely right I'm always the parent who says something oh me too right um, I'm like we're a community we got to protect each other this is this is you know but a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that yeah this is this is true and, and I understand that right it, sure it's, it's really uh, it's really difficult it's really uncomfortable to kind of insert yourself into another kind of parenting situation but right as a gamer and as a an expert mm-hmm. scare quotes um I, I feel obligated to uh, say something at that point because right. these parents they could don't decide know. to buy it anyway, right? Like it's like you're not saying, you know, give me that game. I'm not going to allow you to buy that for your right. kid. You you're still just have like, hey, choice. doing my due diligence. I don't want to be. I try to operate in a way where I don't want to ever be in a position if I can avoid it of wishing I had said something. Yes. Um, you know? And I I'm going to tell this is a, a funny story and this happened at Christmas. Um, uh, I was at a big box store, uh, and there were grandparents, uh, in the store who were buying a Minecraft themed Xbox and controller for their grandson for Christmas. Um, and they asked the guy who was selling them. Now this is just one, this is, this is bad salesmanship, (laughs) Two was really problematic <laughs> for another reason. But uh, so they said, well, he's got a sister. He's got an older sister. Should we get her a controller too? Because it comes with like one of the Minecraft theme. No, they were buying a creeper controller to go with it. And then there was like the pink piggy controller next to it. And they were like, oh, he's got a sister. Should we buy her a controller too? And the guy goes, well, how old is she? And I th- they said either 12 or 14. I can't remember now. It's been several months and I've slept since then. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, no, girls don't play games. What? And I was absolutely oh. astounded. And I, to this day, still kick myself that I didn't say something to the grandparents. Because I know that somewhere on Christmas Day, there was a family that opened that, that opened that console and there was no controller for the for the girl, right? And that automatically kind of re-solidified that notion that games are for boys. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's, oh, I'm I'm really glad you're bringing this up because, uh, well, one, when I'm evaluating boys, they're always shocked that I play games. Yeah. I mean, not just that I'm you know middle aged lady because whatever, but that girls don't play games. Yes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm angry at myself. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would be too. But I let me in, in my defense after after they left. Um, I, uh, I, I was angry and I walked around because I was like, I'm not gonna curse. I'm not gonna curse. So I walked around, <laughs> and um, when I when it was time to go, I I I was I was by myself. I P wasn't with me. Um, 
and I got the manager and I said, I need you to bring the young man from electronics up here. And she goes, is there a problem? I'm like, he didn't do anything that needs to, that he needs to be disciplined for, but he did something he doesn't need to do again. I said, I don't want to explain it twice because it's going to make me angry. So I only want to do it once. And she goes, fine. So she brings up and I said, look, let me explain to you who I am and what I do. So I went through like the brief. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. I said, every day I see girls struggling in STEM fields, struggling in game design programs because there are too many boys in those programs that think they shouldn't be there. And there are too many girls who are already questioning whether or not they should be there. I said, mostly you because boys have told them they shouldn't. Right. Yep. I said, please, for my sake and for the sake of every girl out there, don't ever do that again. How did he respond? He was like, but I did. I said, let me tell you exactly what you said. Cause he was going to, he was about to deny right. it. I was like, uh, let me tell you exactly what you said. I said, because I've been playing this in my head over and over for the last 30 minutes. And he was like, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Good. What, what I find interesting, I think, about that too, though, is I have a feeling that it was so automatic for him yep. and so unconscious. He didn't recognize he did that it. He did, yeah. 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 Which is really disturbing. Um, but not you know you you do research in this area i mean it's not surprising yeah um but it's but it's very hard to uh it's hard enough to get people to shift their conscious biases and their conscious ways of behaving mm-hmm. um but when people are doing things and they don't even realize it mm-hmm. um you've got a double burden because first you have to even bring their attention to the fact that they're doing it yep. and then deal with the inevitable pushback because you've then you know, oftentimes in their mind shamed them. So then you've got to deal with that. Yeah. And then you have to deal with the, you know, trying to get the correct information yeah. in there. Um, and it is, it is not easy when I, a lot of girls that I see in my practice. And again, I, you know, I am, I rarely see neurotypical kids because obviously I'm a neuropsychologist. So most of the people who come to see me have some kind of neurodevelopmental issue going on, whether it's ADHD or autism spectrum, learning disabilities, you know, mood disorder, whatever. There's already some set of issues, mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily going to be typically developing. Um, but you know, even so, the percentage of girls I see who play video games in comparison to the boys uh, is is much, much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, the girls I see are definitely tech savvy, right? They use the internet, they use apps, they do all sorts of things. Um, and they also tend to be more inclined to play iOS games of different kinds, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, but, but games on their phones or iPads than on a console or on a PC. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that is to at least some degree because that's what's being reinforced mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. I I mean, I agree wholeheartedly because, you know, those are the phones are an acceptable female accessory. Right. Right. Um, a switch, for example, as another portable device is not. Correct. Right. Um, I mean, Correct. but how can you, you know, like, doesn't, doesn't everybody want to be able to carry a switch around and play games? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, and like I said, my, my, my daughter's nine. And I'm still astounded by the fact that in 2018, we still have young boys who don't think girls play games, who don't think oh, girls yeah. should be playing games. Absolutely. Um, and they and they grow into the grown men who tell people grown men who, t- right. who tell people girls don't play games. Yeah, right. Uh, and I do think, and I've I've raised it, especially with the teenage girls that I see. I always raise it with them. You know, I'm always asking, you know, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Um, and if they don't mention video games, I ask them, do you play video games? Right, and see what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had more than a few say, well, I tried. But um, I did not like the way that, that males spoke to me when I tried to go online. Mm-hmm. And they said at that point I decided, okay, I, you know, I'll maybe play some RPG games at home myself. I'll, you know, they'll sometimes do that. But I'm not going online, absolutely not. I'm not going to play any kind of multiplayer games yeah. where I have to interact. Yeah. Um, or I've had them say that they will go and play, um, but they will completely turn chat off. They don't use any voice. Yeah stuff um and this enrages me yeah i mean and it's it's uh we have a we even have a rule in my house when we stream together uh p's not allowed to reach out mm-hmm. she's not allowed to reach out and she's like i'm not allowed to reach out because people say horrible things right and i said yes i right. said you know that you know, we've got tons of people who come just to see you. And I read, you know, I read chat to her when people are talking to her. I right. Was like, Which and, is you know, they completely love you and they great. love what you're doing. I said, but there are trolls. Right. Right. Um, and how much, are, you know, how much, I mean, the level of trauma that our kids are exposed to. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the school shooting stuff because I just, I could yell about that for an hour <sighs> by itself. Um, but the, the level of kind of exposure to traumatizing things is is a big deal um one of the things i talk about when i'm doing like public speaking stuff about this topic is also to talk about the format games are in i mean the content's definitely a thing dealing with awful people is a thing Mm -hmm. but also looking at for example first person versus third person presentation and how stimulating that can be Mm -hmm. i mean i can't play first person because it makes me sick and dizzy, right? Yep. Um, but but that's a very much more immediate way of experiencing content anyway, regardless of what it is. Yes. And I think for a lot of people can be overstimulating. It's just too much. Yes. I, um, oh gosh, 20 years ago now, um, I uh, lost a cousin who was like a sister to me because we were both only children raised together um, to gun violence. Um, and I like games that have guns. Yes. But Mm -hmm. I can play third person shooters much more readily than I can first person shooters because first person shooters will often trigger, um, a form of PTSD for me. Yes. Um, For that, for that very reason. And it did not happen until, until after her death. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there is something about experiencing that from that camera angle. 
Yes. Um, it's very immediate. Yes, it is, right? Because people say all the time, they're like, you play PUBG? And I'm like, yeah, I play PUBG. And it's a battle royale game. You drop 100 people on an island, last one standing wins. And they're like, do you play first person mode? No, no, I don't. There is no way yeah. I can run around an island trying to kill 99 people in first person mode. That would right. just send me into overdrive. And I need to see around me too. Like the, I mean, the sick and dizzy is only part of it. Mm-hmm. I also, I, I can't see behind me in first person. Like, I, <laughs> like, no, I need to see who's coming up by. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's for any content, but also most first person oriented games with the exception of things like, uh, gone home that are, you know, more exploratory. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they tend to be violent. They tend to be, you know, if you're looking through a gun, yeah. um, like my kids really enjoyed it for a period of time. They've, kind of moved on at this point but uh i was in the overwatch beta um and and i played overwatch a little bit too it's a fun game i mean it's been kind of the only first person shooter game that i've been able to tolerate playing mm-hmm. um until it went online and you know then the, the thought of of sucking as much as i suck at those kind of games like in in a group of other people was not was a non-starter mm-hmm. um but but my kids enjoyed playing it for a while and they seemed to you know have a great time with it mm-hmm. um and I, I don't get that many parents complaining to me about their kids playing first-person shooters, um, aside from playing them too much. Mm. And the, the problem I tend to run into with a lot of families is once their kids start playing a game, like once they get on the console or the PC or whatever, they can't get them off. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like I said, I stream late at night. Uh, well, late-ish. I don't start streaming until 10 p.m. Your time. My time. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> yeah. I start streaming at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I start streaming that late because I stream mature-rated games. I stream games that are not um, are not acceptable for me for my child to watch. So right. I don't stream until after she goes to bed and I know she's asleep. Um and I'm kind of shocked readily at the number of younger folks I see in my streams at 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Right? I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're not my kids. <laughs> you're like, not That's mine. not going to be my kids. Right? <laughs> um, no, yeah, I know. And, uh, and I've had a lot of conversations with parents about, like, where... Do you like where are the consoles? Yeah. Are they in the kids' room? Yes. Maybe you should consider moving it someplace else. Right, because right? then they're playing at eleven, twelve, one o'clock right. in the morning too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean we have a we have a, a, a no technology in bedrooms rule around here. Right. So we mm-hmm. have switches that you know, if she's playing on the switch or she's playing on the DS, she can take it in her room to play. But they come back out to they come back out to a central area, right where they live. Where they live, yes, they live in the our, our all of our consoles live in the game room. Um, she has another like little setup downstairs since she streams with me, but that lives downstairs in the in the family room, right? Yeah. So those live down in the family room. The rest of them live up in the in the game room. Nothing lives in our bedrooms. I and and I enforce this rule 
but I also enforce it for myself. Like I don't even have a television in my bedroom. Oh, um, <laughs> that's impressive. I know a lot of people who do that. I am not one of those people, but I don't actually watch a lot of TV. Yeah, I don't watch TV um, either. That, that helps. <laughs> um, but, but part of it's a sleep hygiene thing, yeah. you know, that part of it is a, and, and again, the, you know, there's the you know, way to think about it from a like typical development perspective, but, but also from a, a if you are non neurotypical, um, a lot of times, you know, structure and a really consistent schedule becomes that much more important, mm-hmm. um, for self-regulation. And so if you've got a kid who's you know, can't go to sleep because they have some trouble managing sleep, Mm -hmm. Um, having them sit up until one in the morning on an iPad doing whatever um, or Snapchatting or, you know, doing that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. it's, it's problematic on multiple levels, right? But, but then parents become nervous about setting limits around that, Mm -hmm. especially depending on what the norms are in their community and what kids are expected and I you know I'm one of those parents for like for my household where I'm like I don't care what Johnny down the street is doing like yeah. I don't care <laughs> what Johnny's parents let him do right so um other than wow you know I wonder if I'm going to run into Johnny's parent and what I will say but yeah you know um that that the peer pressure is a huge deal yeah um and not just with kids like but with parents yeah we have a we have a joke in my house, and and my and and my kids. She's finally learned that I don't mean it. Well, she'll be like, "Well, so and so's parents," and I'm like, "Well, so and so's parents don't love them." <laughs> she's like, "Really? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding." <laughs> you know, but I I know a lot of parents who are afraid of setting limits with their kids, yeah. and not because their kids are gonna you know become violent with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because they don't want to disappoint them or they're afraid of upsetting them and, oh, they're going to be upset. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think is so important to do uh, just as becoming an adult who's going to be in any kind of authority role with children, Mm -hmm. you know, is to, is to learn how to be okay with little kids being angry with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, to understand you have power, like you know, in relation to smaller people. And that means that you need to be responsible. So you have to be respectful and, you know, treat kids well, but you also have to be able to say, how about no? Right. Oh my God. Deborah, no, please you say can't that do again. that. It is okay. <laughs> You've got to be okay with kids being, being angry with you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, and like I said, I tell my kid all the time, that's, I'm going to make you angry. That's my job. Right. And it's okay. Anger, it's perfectly fine to be angry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel what you feel. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be happy. All of those are valid emotions. You should never try to make yourself feel anything else than what you need to feel in that moment. Right? Exactly. Um, And (laughs) so I tell her all the time, it's my job. I'm sorry. It's my job to make you angry. I mean, and and that's why I want to talk about parental controls for a moment. Yeah, please. Um, It's important when you get a new device to check out the parental controls that exist on that device. Yes. Right? Because most new devices have parental controls of some sort built in. And they're always set off. I mean, you have to turn them on. Exactly. You have to turn them on. Sometimes you have to go through all kinds of little, here, send an email, um, 
put in your credit card number so we can prove you're an adult. Do what you need to do because that way you have a better idea. Like people who say, uh, you know, I'm concerned because my kid's on the Xbox all night long. Well, you know what? My kid's not on the Xbox all night long because once she hits two hours logged into the Xbox, and unless she's logged in, she can't use anything. Once she hits two hours logged into the Xbox, five minutes before that two hours, at one hour and 55 minutes, she gets a warning in five minutes. This is going to shut off. So you need to ask a parent if you can have more screen time. And I have to come put in a code, choose how much time she has, and click OK. Otherwise, in five minutes, it's going to shut off. Like, shut off and sign her out. Right. Which is, I really like having parents understand they have that option. Yes. Because... um, because again, kids who can get dysregulated, they don't want to be the one saying, okay, it's time to get off now. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying automate it. So let, you know, if it's not you, yes. that's the way it is. Oh, it's been two hours. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. And it turns itself off. I mean, there's right? all kinds of things that are built in. Like if you have a connect set up to your Xbox and I had this set up for a long time, especially when she was younger, um, that it would sign her in whenever it saw her. Mm-hmm. And if I was watching something and it, it was set to shut it's that she couldn't see anything that was rated, uh, over the age of 10. So I could be watching doctor who, and she would walk into the room, the connect would see her and I, and it would pause the, it would pause the video and I'd get a pop-up. There's someone in the room who is not age appropriate for this content. What do you want to do? I didn't know that that was available. That is a thing. It's another reason to be angry that they got rid of the connect. That is another reason to be angry they got rid of the connect. Yeah, I mean, but I have a lot of reasons for that, right? Yeah, there there are all kinds of things. I mean, it's not just on the Xbox. You can set up parental controls on the Switch that also allow you to say, like, whenever she turns her Switch on, there's a little orange button at the top that gives her a countdown of how much time she's got left logged into that Switch on that day. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, and and then it also sends me for the Xbox for the Switch every week. It sends me a weekly breakdown of here's what your kid's been doing on these consoles for this week. Yeah, right, right, and you can see it, and and also you can check in, right? You can look over her shoulder and see what she's doing. Yes, because right? the so consoles are this. in a open space. Yes, right. There, so there's there's a way. One of the conversations I end up having a lot with parents. Um, especially white parents, is this notion of not wanting to impinge on their child's privacy or their freedom or, uh, you know, letting them, you know, be by themselves a little too much, mm-hmm. right? And and my point of view is, look, everybody needs their privacy. Everybody needs to have their alone time for whatever purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if if a child is interacting with other people, whether it's uh, texting, you know, whatever, the Snapchat stuff, um, there are legitimate safety concerns mm-hmm. that, that you know, br- brains develop over time. And teenage brains are not fully developed and don't tend to have, you know, great function in those higher level judgment areas mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a need f- for supervision. Um, and it's interesting because 
and again, this is just my little sample of people that I see, although I do see a very diverse range of people, um, that it's usually families of color that are much more comfortable being authoritative with their kids. Again, what I've seen in my office. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to feeling pressured for whatever reason to be that cool parent, to be the friendly parent and to be the, you know, let them, let them roam kind of thing. Um, and I, so I definitely think there are cultural differences, um, for sure. But I also think there are differences just among like in communities about what, you know, what, what people are, are expecting to be normal quote unquote behavior for kids and what's considered to be safe and not. Um, but again, I had the experience of, of having a kid literally run off with somebody. So, um, I mean, not my kid, but, but on, on a case I was on. So like, I, like to me, it's not just an abstract concept that you, that you face. Mm -hmm. It's a real, it's a real thing with real consequences. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my child is, is unfortunate, uh, in that, you know, she, she, uh, she got saddled she got saddled with a black parent who's like like <laughs> I don't care <laughs> and she's like so and so so and so's parents don't love them <laughs> it's always the funny joke and uh, she she understands now that I'm joking the first first couple of times that I said that I think she was probably totally astounded and thought that the, her friend's parents didn't love them um yeah but yeah, I mean, we, it is, I think, I think you're right. Right. Is that, you know, when we start thinking about, um, even in the way that we do parenting, um, mm-hmm. is that parents from certain backgrounds and it, it not just racial or ethnic backgrounds, but also in terms of socioeconomic class tend yes. to be more directive. Yes. Right. Then, um, than, than asking, right. So rather than saying, and this is always one of my, my favorite examples, um, it w- was, um, oh God, what was it? It was in, uh, it was a book by Lisa Delpit called Other People's Children. Um, mm-hmm. when she says there, there's the difference between, um, would you like to take a bath and get your butt in the tub? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's interesting with that too, for me, again, from a brain development perspective is that open-ended questions are, cannot, can be like not ideal for presenting things to kids like it's having some you know clear boundaries and some direction mm-hmm. uh is actually very anxiety relieving for, for for in my view all children but especially kids who have some developmental differences that it can be overwhelming to have too many choices yeah. so um sort of a running joke with my stepdaughter who's in a young adult now but that you know if i really want to stress her out i'll say where do you want to go for dinner yeah <laughs> She'd be oh like, why do you do this to me? I, I can't take the pressure. Yeah. Like, so limiting the choice field to some degree, you know, and again, I think people vary in terms of limiting that choice field, you know, between the, would you like to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt versus here's your shirt. <laughs> like put it on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Here's a shirt. Here's some, you know, yeah, we, we have that, we have that, uh, where would you like to go eat? Well, it's not so much where would you like to go to eat? Um, because in my house, if I ask that question, it is always either going to be sushi or pancakes. Uh huh. And I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when we go, if we go someplace different, I'm like, what do you, what do you want to eat? And it's like, are you kidding me? Can you just offer me like three things and ask me to choose from amongst those three rather than handing me a menu of like 40 items? Right. Um, 
and it's choice paralysis. Right. Adults get it too. Yeah. Right. You know, and I'm like, well, so I'm like, here's three things that I know you like. Would you like to choose one of these three? <laughs> right. Well, and in terms of game choices, you know, one of the things that will happen sometimes is if there's a lot of games out, I'll see my, my younger son, he'll have time off and he'll be like, okay, I'm going to play a game. And then he just sits there for a while because he can't decide yeah. what he wants to play. Yep. And uh, usually if he has friends who are playing a game, that'll be his first choice. That he'll go hop on with his friends and play something together. Mm-hmm. If it's just him sometimes having to decide amongst all of these games and we have, you know, we have a lot of games in our house available. Um, sometimes they'll be, you know what? I think I'm just going to watch some let's plays for a while. I mean, sometimes that becomes a choice almost because it's less stressful than trying to figure out what you want to spend time playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and the peer pressure thing in terms of games people play, because kids learn about games, you know, because most kids don't listen to gaming podcasts. Those are, you know, it's mostly, mostly grown-ups that do that, um, or at least older teens. Um, they hear about games because their friends are talking about them. Yep. Yeah, they hear what uh, say. Their friends are talking about them, or, you know, maybe there's a video being passed around on Facebook or Instagram. Um, but it's, it's still come, it's still content coming from other people. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I know, well, my kid will come and say, there's a new game, blah, 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 that I saw, you know, my favorite YouTuber playing. Right. Um, and I'm like, really? (laughs) She's like there's a new Kirby game yes I know there's a new Kirby game oh my god why didn't you tell me because I didn't want to buy it um Uh (laughs) (laughs) I mean so these things I mean but at the same time you you made a great point earlier and I just you know I wanted to cycle back around to it um when we start talking about choices when we start talking about decisions when we start talking about what kids are doing um Playing with your kids is something that's really important. Yes. Um, because it not only gives you the chance to see what they're, to see what they're experiencing, it gives you a chance to like be there in a moment to talk about material that might be disturbing to them that you, to- I'm going to talk about this one game in just a second that you, that they may experience or see that you weren't expecting. Um, and it's a great way to spend time with kids because some content is rated in a certain way and you think it is, you think it's, it's safe. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to say this. Don't trust games ratings. You can trust no. them to know that in a general sense, in a general and sense, only right? in a general if this sense. is rated yep. mature, don't buy it for your eight year old. Don't buy it for your 10 year old. Don't buy it for your 12 year old. I'm not even going to buy from a 14 year old. Right. Right. Um, But even when you have games that are rated E or T, you still have to be super careful. I'm because, because of what I do, I play games before my kid does. Yeah. Um, Even when we're playing like long RPGs, um, I play a chapter ahead all the time. Right. So then you know what's coming. So I know what's coming. Um, and I know if I want to save that chapter and skip it, 
<laughs> right. right. Or if, you know, if this, if this is something that's going to be difficult, but that she and I can stop afterwards and sit down and have a cup of hot cocoa or, you know, a ginger beer together and talk about what we just saw. Right. Um, right. Which is super valuable. It is super valuable because one, it gives you time to spend time with your kids. It gives you time to have conversations with your kids about things that they actually want to have conversations about, which are games. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but one game in particular, uh, and it was a, a cute little platformer that came out called Candleman. Oh, I don't, I don't know that one. Um, where you play a little candle. Um, and it's a puzzle based platform where you have to use your candle to light other candles, to make it through the world. Um, and there are all kinds of things that you can do with the light. And so it's, it's super cute. It makes you think about, it makes you think, you know, critically about, um, what you're doing. It makes you think in terms, it makes you think about spatial puzzles. So it like, it's, it's really good in a number of different ways. Now, narratively, um, cause it was rated E. So my daughter was like, can I play this? And I was like, yeah, let me play this first. Um, I'm like, she's like, it's E. I'm like, yes, yes it is. But you know the rule. Um, so, and I'm really glad that I stuck to that rule, even though the game was rated E. Cause you get to the end of the game. And the, so the, the narrative narratively, what it is, is this candle sees a lighthouse in the distance. And this candle wants to become the lighthouse, right? It wants to be... Oh, I see where this is going. I want to be as great <laughs> as the lighthouse. Right. So uh-huh. he makes it through all of these different levels and does all of these different things. And he gets to the lighthouse and, and basically it's like, hey, lighthouse, I want to be as great as you. And the lighthouse is the final boss battle, right? So he has to fight the lighthouse. That happens. He wins. Wins. Uh, and says, I want to be as great as the lighthouse. The story then unfolds and the little candle gets told, you can never be this. What? Wait, wait, wait. So the candle commits suicide. Oh, nice. I was thinking, oh, the, then the candle becomes the lighthouse and then you can deal with that. Oh no, it's worse. Yes. He jumps off into an abyss because he cannot be what he wanted to be from the beginning. Okay. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. And this game is ready to eat. Okay. That is, uh, so I'm just trying to imagine if you hadn't checked it in advance, what that would have been like. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. I was so angry. I was, I was like, who thought this was okay? And at one point, well, because when you do ESRB ratings, it asks, it's self-reporting. What's the, what's the worst thing that, what's the worst thing in your game? Show us a clip of it. Are there cuss words? Are there, is there swearing? None of that exists. What's the worst thing in your game? You can say there's, you know, you have to fight, you know, I don't know, poison flowers that shoot things at you. Not right. if you, you know, not that the end, that the end state, the end game, no matter whether you win or lose is that you, that you can't be what you want to be. So you commit suicide. Right. So when you're not self-reporting that, then it still gets rated E for everyone. I mean, it's horrible in general, but in particular along gender and racial lines. Yeah. It's, 
even worse. Yeah. So, um, wow. Well, I guess I'm glad I didn't know about that game. And that my kids did not play it. <laughs> yeah. Because that is not that is not a conversation I would have wanted to have with them. No. By, for that reason. No. I mean, I that's obviously imagine. a conversation that has to be had at some point. But but to have that be the thing that stimulates that conversation, not not good. Yeah. Um, but and I do think, and we have to wrap it up here because we've been we've been talking. I could talk to you for hours and hours. <laughs> um, and I have. Um, that that I I think sometimes parents make the decision to to not really give their kids access to a lot of technology and games in part because it can be so burdensome to keep up with that kind of stuff. Um, and that there, I, to some degree, I think there can be a kind of a better safe than sorry, uh, reasoning for it, yeah. which I can understand, but I also know because I know people, um, that if you completely forbid access to something, it, it does really become a forbidden fruit yeah. kind of thing. And I've had, you know, I've had kids tell me, well, yeah, we don't have video games in our house. We're not allowed to play video games. But when I'm down the street, my friend's house, mm-hmm. you know, then we play Smash all day long, right? Which, again, I don't have a problem with that game. But, but again, like, it's something that, that ends up becoming an outside thing mm-hmm. that they that they do that they can't bring back into their home and then that also means that they can't share it right and so then that ends up damaging the the communication between the parents and the kids yes. and contributes to a, a larger kind of pattern of secrecy yeah yeah, I mean, and that's there. There's yeah. That's one of the reasons that I one play games with my kids, and I always tell parents that they need to. Um, yeah. And and I understand it's it's difficult. There are some games that if you're not a person who usually plays games, it's difficult. Like it would be difficult for the average non gaming parent to go in and say, "Oh, I'm gonna play Fortnite with my kid." Right, <laughs> right. I mean, I do play games, and I don't do that. But, you know, yeah, but so. there are other games that you can play kind of readily oh, yeah. with your kids, yeah. right? Um, right. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to do kind of more uh, more regularly, um, like at Not Your Mama's Gamers. We have a little section called pl- uh, Play With Your Kids mm-hmm. um, to to offer some uh, some games that you know what is is it have they have a lower barrier. Uh, of entry, shall we say? <laughs> right, right. And they're easy. No, to play. I, I think, yeah. So the, one of the other things I would say too, because I get, I really get, I know a lot of parents who just they don't want to play games, they don't want to learn how. Um, however, one of the things that that we do, we have our you know t- television, our you know main TV, and we have the consoles hooked up to it. I will just sit and watch. Yeah, my kids play, and talk with them. Right. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes purposely to annoy them, but but mostly to <laughs> chat about stuff. Right. Cause especially if they're playing a, an RPG of some kind. Like we'll talk about the story. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about what's going on in the story. We'll talk about. You know, both of my boys are very into um, JRPGs. They just like if there is a JRPG published, they will play it. Yes. They just they love them. Um, and so we'll talk about you know, and they're frustrated with a lot of the stories too for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, but they they love the whole Tales of series. So. 
you know, we'll go through that. And uh, they, they really like it when I sit and watch them play. Mm-hmm. They, they enjoy it. Um, so I, I like to remind parents that you actually, I mean, I think it's good if you can and will play with your kids games, yeah. but you can also engage with them while they're playing. You know, then you have the bonus of being there and seeing what they're playing. Like if you haven't previewed the content in advance, yeah. um, which you know, for a lot of parents is just not realistic for them to do. Like we can say in the ideal world, they should do it. But for a lot of parents, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you can at least monitor what's, what's happening. And then if something strange comes up, you can deal with it then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that, that you know, for me, I, when I have time or you know, when I can, I like to watch other people streaming. I, mean, I enjoy watching other people play games. Um, but I think it's more normalized for kids now. Like, that's not what kids did when I grew up. <laughs> you know, and like the notion of why would you want to watch somebody else play a video yeah. game, right, was um, – but now it's very normalized for kids. I mean, they watch YouTubers. They watch the Let's Plays and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very – it's part of their vocabulary now in a way that it never used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure there are tons of things that, that we did not hit – um, mm-hmm. that are relevant to, you know, kids, kids in games and parenting in games, always. Um, but we can always return to it another time. Um, any, uh, last, last bits of advice you want to drop? Hmm. Wow. Um, I think we covered most of the big ones, right? Play with the kids. Yeah. Pay attention to what your kids are playing. If you can't play with your kids, yeah, just sit down and talk to them about what they're playing. Um, those are those are good bits of advice and if you you know if you are concerned about what you know how long your kids are playing or what they're playing always just take a moment or two to look into parental controls um there's unfortunately not a ton out there and i'm actually i'm actually working on something um that will go over parental controls on different devices for parents because a lot Good. of people don't know that this stuff exists, right? They don't. That the it's features true. that are there exist. And it can be hard to find. Yeah. So it can also be hard to know where to look. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I will, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to include a link to, to your, you know, show and, and blog, etc. Mm-hmm. there. Um, and, you know, depending on when you finish it and when I get the episode up, <laughs> a link to that piece as well. Um, but also, uh, I forgot to add, like, that there isn't any one, like, ideal amount of time for all kids, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like, usually, you know, after a couple hours, you know, we tell them, get up, run around the block, or go, go do something else for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes a kid can get overstimulated after playing 20 minutes. I mean, it, it can be very individualized. And so yeah. one of the things I tell parents is that, you know, one thing you can do is, you know, watch your kid and see. Because, you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of kids, and again, I have a, a, a specialty in working with, with, with uh, autistic kids. Um, a lot of kids need to have that hyper-focus to be able to self-regulate. So, like, the, you know, the iPad is not your enemy, Right. It really can help if you've had a stressful day at school or whatever to just be able to sit down, hyper-focus on whatever, like, you know, little puzzle game, YouTube video, whatever, on the iPad for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you can kind of monitor a kid's arousal level and see, right? If, yes. Because you can have, you know, after 
after it's been too long, you can tell that somebody's getting irritable. You can tell that they're getting overstimulated. Oh, yeah. You know, and so sometimes you have to do a little bit of experimentation yourself to see and be like, oh, okay, that was too long. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Like, next time we're definitely shutting it down earlier. Yep. Um, but but there there is some individual variation in that that, that I, I always want parents to pay attention to because there isn't – you know, again, I think a, a you know two hour limit is is pretty good, but for some kids it's too much time, and other kids can handle longer than that. Yep. Um, so I always say, you know, pay attention to your kids' sort of body signals about their arousal level and whether they seem to be getting too overstimulated, um, or whether they seem to be getting shut down, and and help you know use that as a way to help guide you but i also think the more you can once you kind of find a sweet spot the more you can automate that mm-hmm. and have it be computer says bye-bye like <laughs> you know like it's not me i have nothing to do right with it. it's not not me the computer doesn't <laughs> want to play with you anymore right because then it also takes that the the fit part out of it because some parents do get tantrum behavior mm-hmm. when they try to remove an electronics device that their kids hyper focused on playing with like again you don't have to have a neurodevelopmental difference for that to happen mm-hmm. um but it becomes much less of an interpersonal issue when it's you know that's why i like egg timers a lot too it's like oh time's up yep you know it's, it's not me saying that it's mr clock here yep <laughs> saying time somebody up. else is not me <laughs> it's not personal uh you know it doesn't always work but it tends to work better often mm-hmm. um but again different different parents have different comfort levels with also saying no guess what i say it's time's up Right. Mm-hmm. And and then deal with whatever fallout there may or may not be. Um, but I do think that there's there's room like there isn't any one right answer for this. There's some guidelines, but you have to do some some live in with it. Um, so so tell people where they can find you. Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm always um, have been now for in my eighth year at um, Not Your Mama's Gamer which is pretty mm-hmm. easy is uh, nymgamer.com uh, uh, where you can find our blog, our podcast. Um, and we're, we're, we've launched a middle state journal. Um, <gasps> I did not know that. <laughs> yep. Cool. All that's there. Uh, there's links to it. Um, I stream regularly on Mixer. There's also a link to that on the, on the Not Your Mama's Gamer site. It'll say, say I'm at Mixer right at the top. You can go through and find like my schedule when I'm hanging out, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, most of the, most of my stuff there is, is like my online stuff is linked there in some way, shape or form. Um, and then usually if I remember when I have something that actually comes out in print, we'll put it over in the little news section so people can find that kind of stuff too. So good. Good. And are, are you on Twitter much these days? I am on Twitter all the time. Um, I am on Twitter. Um, if you're looking for just like more academic game stuff, me it's just at Safista S A F F I S T A. And if you look at the bio and if you're interested in just like the, streaming stuff there's a link to my streaming profile too for twitter because i've got both um so yeah twitter the interwebs all those different places <laughs> you can find me you're everywhere i am everywhere um, and it's good it's just it's uh we're lucky to have you too oh. um so and i'm uh i'm on twitter i i i have such mixed feelings about that platform 
you know yeah. I just continue to have such mixed feelings oh, yeah. about that platform I like I just I know so many amazing people through that platform but it, the, the cost is in, not delightful um, but so far there is not a viable option I'm, I'm always eager to find one <laughs> And I'm sure there will be good viable options that show up at some point, just like there didn't used to be Mixer, right? And now, right, right people are, are starting to move away from Twitch in some ways to move over to other platforms. Yep. So I, I think there's always, you know, going to be new things that people can do to have contact with each other in a way that's not gross. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult. <laughs> really. Um, so... Um, Thank you so much for for coming on the show. It's just been such a delight to have you. And thanks um, for inviting hopefully you'll me. come back again. Oh, you're always welcome. Um, so I guess this is where we'll say goodbye to people. And um, see you later. See you later. Thanks. Bye.